0: We're going to open up with some questions, so I want you to think about just where we're headed. I'll do a little synopsis of where we were, I'll throw the questions out, and then we'll get into the Bible study. Let's pray and ask God to bless His Word. Father, we thank You for Your love letter. Lord, I pray that we would see it as nothing more than You communing, communicating, speaking to us in a way, Lord, that... uh, We can grow and we can learn and we can just glean from just the wonders of just these precious words that you speak to us. So may we never shy away, Lord, from your word. May we never get tired of sitting under your word. And I just pray, Father, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your spirit says this evening to the church. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. So last week... um, Man, it starts out with like this incredible, hardcore challenge to not be like the nation of Israel and go into unbelief because unbelief is a thief and it robs us of all these wonderful things. And it sounds extremely hard hitting to the point where you're like, whoa, I want to make sure I'm paying attention to this chapter. And then it says, make sure if you're going to work at something, work at resting. It's finished. It's done. The price has been paid. It's paid in full. And so if you're going to work hard, make sure you work hard to understand that Jesus did it all for you. That there's nothing left for you to do as it relates to your salvation, as it relates to you going to heaven, as it relates to you getting your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's all been done for you. And so make sure that you understand That you're not working for heaven, you're working from heaven, from salvation, from the finished work of the cross. And the work that is to be done is really just, it's uh, really just being able to watch God do what he's doing in this world as you kind of partner with him. It's a silly kind of partnership, right? He does all the work and we get all the benefits and the pay. It'd be like uh, Bo, you know, going with Steve and watching him work hard and then Steve hands him a big old paycheck at the end of the day. It's kind of, that's how it is. So... Uh, just an interesting way he developed that dynamic and I gave the three examples of individuals riding a bus one guy's jogging on the bus thinking he has to help run while the bus is going to where he needs to go and the other guy is you know the mechanic and he's got all his tools and he's polishing them and getting ready just in case that bus breaks down but he really didn't need to worry about that and the other guy's all uh, engineer guy and he's got to make sure that he knows exactly all the schematics and this that and the other of everything and It's like, all right, or you can just sit on the bus and it's going to take you to where you need to go. I guess you could do all that stuff. And I see a lot of Christians do that. They're working for their salvation. And the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out, not work for, work out your own salvation. We know that later in the book of Hebrews, we're going to look that we're all in a race. And who is your race against? Your race is against your flesh. <laughs> it's against letting that fresh flesh be crucified and keeping that body in check and under. And so really, you're not racing any other Christian. You're, you're voting and cheering on Christians. You're like seeing Christians run and get it done, and you should be, whoo, I love that, man. Look at that brother or that sister. They just got it going on for Jesus. It's not a competition. We're not competing against one another. So just an interesting dynamic in the mindset. That's what we looked at last week. Now, I will ask the question, uh, what makes a Christian dull of hearing? We know that the Spirit speaks. We know that Bible study is where our faith grows, because the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and that by what? The Word of God. So, sometimes we get bored with Bible study. Sometimes we're like, well, I, I mean, come on, it's like... Matthew. I know what Matthew says. you know, Or whatever book they're teaching through. Sometimes we think we've got it all figured out as if we could. It's alive. We learned that last week. It's it's able to pierce and divide between the soul and the spirit, between the bone and the marrow. Just get deep, deep, deep in there. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, the Bible says. And so that's foolish for us to even think that we, I, I know this one. No, you don't. No, you, don't. you don't know what the Spirit's going to speak to you through His Word. But what is it that makes us dull of hearing? I'm sure we've all been there. Why don't you guys go ahead and share? What would make a Christian dull of hearing? Bored in the Lord. Bo. Um, if we are doing something we probably shouldn't be doing. Okay, so sin. Sin can make a Christian dull of hearing because we don't want that light exposing our darkness. We kind of want that little fling, if you will, that little escapade in sin. All right, definitely. What else? Lee? I think sometimes they become complacent and then they just kind of stop reading their Bible and maybe stop going to Bible study or stop going to church. Okay. Down here. Right. What do you mean by complacent? Well, Indifferent towards spiritual yes. things? Okay. Yes. So uh, just not even caring about spiritual things and before you know it, you find yourself distant and dull. Good. Frankie, you had your hand up? No, he did. I saw you put your hand up, Frankie. I, did you scratch your face? Did you do something? Got it. it. Steve. Well, maybe I'm just hearing the word but not, not acting on it. Okay. So, so being a hearer of the word but not a doer of that the word. word. Perfect. I like that. Ron, I'm sorry. like Steve. from the world. Okay, so that pull of the world, and we begin to go over those worldly things, and before you know it, the the, the word doesn't have its place. Awesome. Mm-hmm. more Faith. Uh, arrogance and pride. Pride and arrogance. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Sometimes, that, yeah, I, I, I got this. Psh, psh, like that, huh?
1: I yeah, I got you. I got this. Yeah, I got this.
0: Yeah. Uh, leaving your first love. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there you go. So you leave your first love, and before you know it, you're like that church in Ephesus, huh? They needed to get back to those first works. Amen. Awesome. Well, we're going to see that. We're going to kind of wrap up, if you will, with that. But I just wanted to get some feedback from you guys. We don't want to have uh, dull ears. We don't want to be those who uh, don't have ears to hear. Uh, Remember, it was the religious of Jesus' day that really, remember Jesus telling us why he told parables? Who remembers why Jesus told parables? What was his reason? That see they want to see and hearing they want to hear because their hearts have grown something I don't know if it's dull or whatever but they didn't want the truth and so he wasn't gonna isn't that gracious merciful God I don't want to heap any more judgment on you people that don't want the truth so people who want to hear they get the parable people who don't want to hear God bless you they don't get the parable what an act of mercy Isaiah All right, let's jump into chapter four. Last few verses, starting at verse 14. After this whole thing that he gets into, he says, seeing then that we have a great high priest introduces a new topic, this idea of a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We could do a whole Bible study on those four. What is that? 14, 15, 16. Man, just three little tiny verses, but just rich, 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 rich. So Jesus is our high priest. He was tempted in all points. The the conclusion is we can come to his throne of grace boldly And then let us therefore um, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All right. So when was Jesus tempted in all points as we are? Whoa. I know Jesus was tempted with all things we're tempted with. So we go to 1 John and we see the three categories of sin. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so each one of those, as was Eve, tempted in that area. And so each sin can be kind of Pointed to, and, and all you got to do if you want to see what it looks like, watch commercials. <laughs> They're always appealing to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. If you drive this car, you will be the envy of your block. No, you won't. Hey, your block don't care. They don't care what you're driving. They don't care what you got. They, don't, they, they You care. Damn that payment. We had a, a lady at work had an eight hundred dollar payment oh back in the eighties. Back in the eighties. Back in the 80s, oh she had an $800 payment. Back in the 80s, that would be probably a $2,000 payment to today. And people do that, you know. We have somebody at our church who works for a Mercedes-Benz dealer, BMW. They, I mean, those that can get up there. April, um, I mean, Angel had a couple BMWs that can get be a pretty penny. So, yeah. So that's what commercials are appealing to. That's what um, the ad campaigns are appealing to. But I mean, that's all around us. That's what the world does. Satan takes the world and its system, and he throws a temptation out on the flesh hook of our flesh. It's like a hook, and whatever sticks is what he knows he can get us with. And so be careful. He knows. He has a memory bank. He has a file on you. And so we can come to Jesus because he was in all points tempted. He can relate. He knows what struggle is. He knows what that is like. And notice what it's called, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain what mercy and find grace to help in time of need it was the greeks who believed that god's throne was a throne of grace and justice no his throne it says it right here is a throne of grace and we need mercy not getting what we deserve and grace getting what we don't deserve and we can come how timidly sheepishly afraidly Punked out boldly. Not because of us, but because of all that Jesus did for us. We are dumb if we don't come to Jesus. We are we are just cuckoo for cocoa puffs when we don't come to Jesus boldly. Lord, you've given me this authority that I can approach your throne. And look, notice what he's talking about: a high priest? One man, once a year, who had to offer sacrifices for himself before he can come into God's presence, he's saying, nope, Jesus made it different for us. Now jump over to chapter 5. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. And so the job of a priest was to mediate for man. He would take those sacrifices to God and say, God, will you forgive them? God, will you accept this sacrifice on their behalf? Whether it was a sin offering, whether it was a freewill offering, a meal offering, whatever that offering was, I wanted to serve the Lord, but I can't serve the Lord without presenting an offering. So the priest would mediate, be the mediator, the one that would go in between humanity and God, and he would be the one. And so now Jesus, all a type and a picture of who Jesus is. Verse two, he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. This is the human priest. Because of this, he is required as for the people. So also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. And so you had to be born into the priesthood, born in the right lineage under the Levites in the family of Aaron. Those were the only ones who could do this going on. So also verse five, Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Whoa, whoa, this is a little different he's God's son. As he also says in another place, you're a priest for forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. What? Now we're bringing up this guy, Melchizedek, Genesis, way back in the Old Testament before Abraham. Very obscure dude, very obscure passages. But unfortunately, because of the Christians, these Jewish Christians that want to go back to Judaism, The writer of Hebrews isn't even going to be able to talk about Melchizedek for two more chapters. He introduces them here, and then he remembers, Oh yeah, these people are tripping. These people I'm writing to are tripping. Yeah, I can't even... Mm, Man, I got some deep stuff I want to get into. But hold up, it's going to take me two chapters to get there. Okay? He goes on, verse 7... Who in the days of his flesh, when he offered up, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, speaking of Jesus, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say And hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. I got so many awesome things I want to tell you. But I got so many cool types. I got got this Melchizedek dude. Man, he's crazy, right? Abraham is offering sacrifices and paying tithes to this dude. But I can't. I can't. I can't even go there. Why? You've become. Not you, you You were or you are or... No, you've become. What does that mean? They weren't before. They weren't dull. But something happened. For though by this time, verse 12. Here's all of our application. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, a babe in Christ is something beautiful to behold. A baby in Christ, a brand new Christian, is somebody who you want to be around, somebody who you want to get around. But somebody who's old, and then they revert back to being a baby. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> oh, that's, okay, whoa. Whoo, is that your diver right there? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, yeah, I thought you got that lesson. You didn't get the potty training lesson? Because you should be a little older than that. Elementary school on the playground and you got a diaper on? Whoa, you still drink a bottle? What? You didn't graduate to sippy cup? (laughs) We're on sippy cup and you're on bottle? I thought you were five years old in the Lord or whatever it is, right? So reverting back to being a baby when you should be grown and teaching others the oracles of God, but you need someone to teach you the elementary principles of the faith. He's going to get into it a little more specifically next chapter, what those elementary principles and those oracles are, but suffice to say, think about it in the natural realm. Wouldn't that be crazy if you're in high school and somebody's acting like they're five years old or six years old? I mean, just picture it. Something happened. What happened? You didn't get those lessons? You didn't mature? You didn't grow? You didn't exercise the lessons that you were getting? And unfortunately, we see it a lot. For everyone, he says in 13, who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He's equivocating being a baby Or you ought to be teachers with being able to discern and being unskilled in the word of righteousness. Are you skilled in the word of righteousness? Are you growing at the degree to the level that you're able to go to the word? Or are you a child tossed to and fro, as it says in Ephesians, with every wind of doctrine? Do you hear something on the radio, and whoa, itching ears, tickles me. I want to go over there, over there, or worse yet, the internet. Oh my gosh, be careful with you Google. You ask Google the right question, you get some good answers. But you better, you better know your sources. JW.org, mm, eh, wrong answer. You don't want to be looking for answers there. That's Jehovah's Witnesses. And so they have this cool little website now, just came out a few years ago, JW.org. I'll lead you astray. You read the Watchtower or the Wake magazine, for the most part, yeah, it's not bad. You get into the doctrines of the Jehovah's Witnesses, off. Junk. Horrible, horrible doctrines. Doctrines of demons. That's where they come from. Mormonism, all the cults, the, the cults and the occult for sure. So you got to be careful. How do we know that we're not going to get bamboozled? How do we know the difference between up and down, right and left, black and white? The Word of God, the compass. The one that shows us true north. The one that guides and directs. And if we're not sitting under the word, we're going to get taken. And it's coming. You see it all the time. You see apostasy taking place on a grand scale, and it hurts my heart. I grew up on some phenomenal teachers on the radio. And then all of a sudden, word of faith, word of faith, word of faith, word of faith. And going off and saying that if you're sick, it's your fault. You're in sin. If you're not wealthy, it's your fault. You're in sin. If you're not healthy and whole, it's your fault. You're in sin. How damning is that? That condemns you. That makes you feel so... You imagine you lose a child and you say, well, you didn't have enough faith because you didn't pray. You didn't pray right. There must be sin in your life. Sounds like Job's comforters more than God's. Right? Yeah, that's horrible. So we have to know the word of God. Handle the real... Like bank tellers will handle the real, and the, when the counterfeit looms on the horizon, whoa, I don't know, that just felt, whoa, that was different. The paper, or, oh, look at that. Whoa, that was a $5 bill turned into 100 Look at that, you hold it up to the light, right? They're, those things are all over right now because the printers right now and the quality of printers, they're phenomenal. So the paper's real, they erase the five and just print a $100 on there with Benjamin Franklin instead of, I think it's uh, Abe Lincoln on the five. Right, So they erased that, got the good paper, but there's watermarks on it and stuff that aren't there. Um, that last verse, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. How did they become dull of hearing? They listened, but they didn't act. They heard, but they weren't putting into practice. And so that's what we need to make sure that we're doing. God is faithful to deliver a message when his word is going out. And did you know that he does that supernaturally behind the scenes? And it's kind of crazy because whoever's teaching the word of God is just a dummy. They're just a simpleton. Just they ain't know much. Okay? But God does this thing that where he says, I honor my word above my name. How powerful is the name of Jesus? Whoa, last time I checked, only name by which we could be saved. And yet he's going to honor his word above his name. So if somebody is sharing the word of God, best believe that the Holy Spirit is taking that word of God. And you could be sitting in a Bible study and you could be sitting and just, the guy didn't even say that, but the Holy Spirit is bringing a truth. And you're like, oh Lord, did I need that? Thank you, Lord. Whoo! thank you, Jesus, right? And then I've had people come up to me. Oh my gosh, pastor, that was, that was the greatest study I've ever heard. And then usually I never see those people again. But that was the greatest study. <laughs> that was the greatest study I've ever heard. And man, when you said, and I'll be like, kick, kick, kick. Yeah. when did I, I don't think I said that. I, were, you, were you listening to the radio while I was like teaching? Because I didn't say that. That's the Holy Spirit bringing something because God's faithful to speak through His word, regardless of what's being said. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in you, and the Holy Spirit is faithful to bring that word to your ears, that word that you need to hear. And so notice he says, by reason of use, have their senses. How many senses do you have? And are they being exercised to discern both good and evil? It's not just one thing. It's not just your ears have gone dull, but you have eyes, you have taste you have touch, you have all these senses, right? And so God is doing something supernatural in this physical thing. I kind of wrote a few of these down, thought they were interesting. First of all, let's look at this idea of being unskilled in the word of righteousness, okay? In that case, you become a babe. Let's see. And you have become to need milk, he says, right? Milk corresponds with the first principles according to hebrews 6 12 solid food is for the meatier material such as understanding the connection between jesus and melchizedek it isn't that milk is bad but these christians should have added solid food to their diet um, peter reminds us as well in first peter chapter 2 verse 2 as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby so there's nothing wrong with milk and there's nothing wrong with us sitting under the word to receive milk. But if we're not doing, practicing what we're learning, then we are going to become dull of hearing and we are going to stunt our growth. And that's where you see an individual who you're like, how, how, how long are you being a Christian? When did you give your life to Jesus? Whoa, and you're struggling with that? Hmm, interesting, okay. All right, that's kindergarten stuff, but all right, I, I guess. You can immediately know what happened. I was so blessed this Sunday to have Angel and Frankie come up to me, and Angel prayed for me, laying hands on me. And that's a babe in Christ growing in, I don't know if I've ever prayed in public, but, but God put it on my heart. Let me pray for my pastor. And when I see stuff like that, I'm just like, Lord, that's fruit. That's supernatural. That's something done from the inside out. That's not coerced. That's not conjured up. That's not, that's God. Doing a supernatural work, and that's fruit, and that's what I love to be around. I love to see the fruit because what we give God glory. Lord, you're doing something. You're doing something, and I love to see. What, I'm I'm like a glutton for like God's blessings, just to see what He's doing. I hear stuff's going on. I'm like, where, where? I want to see, want to see. Yeah. So in the original language, it's interesting. The sense of "for he is a babe" is "for he has become a babe." So in the original, in the Greek, that's exactly what it is. There is nothing more delightful than a true babe in Jesus, as I mentioned. But there is nothing more irritating and depressing than someone who should be mature, but has become a babe. Like, what? how? How would you go backwards? Why do you do that? How come you didn't participate with God and grow in the things of God? The older I get, the more I recognize, man, if there's a couple things you can never be wasting your time with, studying the word of God and spending time in prayer. Man, you talk about eternal dividends, memorizing the word of God, powerful, because when temptation comes, it is written, Satan, isn't that how Jesus handled it, how are we going to handle the temptation in the moment of temptation, you better put it in the tank, it's like gas, well I think I'm going to go from here to San Francisco, how much, how much gas you got in the tank, in the tank? um, well, I got about an eighth of a tank. Uh, uh, okay. You better put the gas in the tank before you try to get to San Francisco and drive, right? You got to have it in the tank. When temptation comes, when, what did Jesus say in Matthew, uh, sermon on the Mount? He said, when you fast, when you pray, when you do these things, when you give alms, right? Not if, have I get around to it, I heard a message where, where the guy said, uh, the tithe isn't a tip. You're not tipping God. <laughs> it ain't, hey, God, you're doing a pretty good job. I got two extra bucks this week. Here you go, God. Here you go, God. A little tip for you. It ain't a tip. It's a tithe. that belongs to God. Give it back. <laughs> I love hearing that. All right, so having become a babe, let me give you these. Um, I got a few of these. Perhaps your Christian life is unstable. Babies are handed... I can't read because I don't have my. Glasses. I lost them. Okay. okay, Babies are handed from one person to another. Babes are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, as I uh, mentioned in Ephesians chapter four. Uh, have you become a babe? Perhaps you are divisive in your Christian life. Babes each have their own crib and they stick to, that they stick to babes have their particular denomination or church that they think as my church guys god is bigger than any one church any one denomination any one group so we need to be careful when we're well hey that's how they do it. Well, this is we and yeah we're the body of christ and as long as they hold to the the essentials of the faith those are our brothers and sisters in the lord they might have a different flavor they might have a different style and, and maybe that doesn't appeal to you that's not your style but Hey, don't be careful with the, the they and uh, us thing. Um, have you become a babe? Perhaps you are starstruck by Christian celebrities of one kind or another. Babies are focused on one particular person, mommy. Babes, glory, in men. Remember 1 uh, Corinthians, I'm a Paul. I am of Apollos. Um, have you become a babe? Perhaps you are spiritually asleep. Babies need a lot of sleep. Babes spend much time uh, spiritually asleep. Have you become a babe? Perhaps you are fussy and cranky with others. Babies are cranky; can be cranky. Babies will fuss uh, over little things. And so I just thought that was interesting. I was, I was reading through these things. He's taking a baby and he's you know, saying, well, what does a baby do? Well, That's what babes in Christ do sometimes. So be careful. And this is what I've found. Um, why do we give permission to our flesh to do things like that? That's immature. Bottom line, it, that's infantile behavior. Are we maturing in the things of God? Are we growing up in the things of God? We should be. And the way we do that is we ask God, God, you, you, you show me and do this through me because there's some things that I don't have the ability to be able to overcome. And if I see a weakness in my flesh, I need the Lord to take over that area, okay? Um, now, on the last part, this idea of our senses exercise. It can be said that all five senses have their spiritual counterparts. So we have spiritual sense of taste. A couple verses I'll read you. First Peter 2, 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Also in Psalm 34, verse 8, the Bible says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you tasted that? Like that's satiation? Like why would we go back to that which doesn't satiate the world? The way I picture my testimony, I was in a gutter, trying to drink the filth that was in that gutter, and God reached down into my pit, Psalm 40, and he brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on the rock. What? And then he put a buffet table in front of me of all of just the most mm, mm, delectable delights that you can imagine, and he said, here's some like Mephibosheth. Lame in his feet guy. Remember that guy? And David said, yeah, the table will cover your feet from now on. Don't even worry about it. Just come up to my table. I I just see it at that. Where's the, where's the attraction in the gutter when you're at, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. He satisfies. He satiates (laughs) on the daily, right? I got to go back to get the manna tomorrow. I can't get enough for today for tomorrow, next week. I got to get it today, daily. I got to spend time with the Lord, daily. I got to have a devotional life, daily. I got to be in prayer, daily. It's a daily thing. I don't want to go dull of hearing. So that's uh, the taste thing. Uh, we have a spiritual sense of hearing. In Isaiah 55, verse 3, it says, Hear, and your soul shall live. In Revelation 2, 7, in all that revelation, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so is my ear dialed or tuned into the station? K-G-O-D. Yeah, that's God's frequency right there. K-G-O-D. Yeah, there it is. I want to hear. I want to hear the voice of the Lord. Um, The next one, our spiritual sense of hearing. Hear, and your soul shall live. Oh, I said that one? I'm sorry, sense of sight, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your law. Psalm 119 verse 18 says, and then the eyes of your understanding or your heart being enlightened, Ephesians 1.18. Uh, the next one is the sense of smell. Uh, Isaiah 11.3 says, he shall be of quick scent in the fear of the Lord. And in Philippians 4.18, I am full having received from you a sweet smelling aroma. And then finally, the sense of touch or feeling, in Second Kings twenty two nineteen, it says, "Because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before the Lord." And then uh, Ephesians four eighteen and nineteen, the hardening of the heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to licentiousness. And so, with all of our senses, we can experience God. I, like, I find it interesting that we have three learning modalities. Your learning modalities are a visual, you take things in through the eye gate, audible, you, you hear things with your ear, and kinesthetic or tactile, where you put your hands on things and you can, you know, figure things out, and that's how we learn, through those three learning modalities. The disciples learned Jesus in every way they can, according to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which we have seen, that which we have heard, and we have, I think, seen with our eyes, he goes on to say, that which we have handled with our hands concerning the word of life, speaking of Jesus. And so as we continue to sit under the word, when you attend any Bible study, no matter who's teaching, it could be the gumpiest, goofiest, toothless dude or girl on the planet, it doesn't matter. You come to hear from the voice of God. And if the guy's off or the girl's off and they're whack, God will give you that discernment, but God will still speak to you even in the midst of that because as God's word is going out, He's faithful. To make sure that he gets you what you need. And so your faith awesome. is going to come by hearing in that word of the word of God. Because God's word is transcended. It transcends language. It transcends um, all of that. And God is doing a supernatural work from behind the scenes. I remember I was teaching at a church and uh, pretty impressed with the, the pastor's wife. He was out of town. <laughs> he asked me to come and preach on a on a Sunday. No, it was a Wednesday night service. And so I go and she, man, she's like a a speaker, a highly, highly just desired speaker. She speaks all over. And so I remember at the end of the study, I went and I I asked, I kind of told her, wow, it must be difficult, you know, you being such an incredible speaker to have to sit under such a simple teaching, if you will. And she says, never, never, never deny the man behind the pulpit as if you're looking at a man. You're looking behind to God. God is speaking through any individual that comes and sits at that pulpit. So never deny the word of God. or And I mean, she almost put me in check letting me know, it ain't you, Sonny. It's God. So I'm looking to hear from God, not you. I didn't come here because you were speaking. I came here because God was going to be speaking through his vessel. And so I think we need to be careful. Again, just uh, obviously different people have different gifts and you know, there's certain styles and personalities that we might click with or we don't like as much. But ultimately, if God's word is going out, we need to be sit ready to hear from God. And then not to just hear and be hearers of the word, right? But to be doers of the word. And I think the, the, the more obedience we find ourselves giving into, the greater our senses are in tune to hear, to feel, to taste, to see the things of God. And so you look at the world and the counterfeit and what they're throwing at our culture and it's all fake, phony. It's all temporal. It's all anesthesia. It's all just feel good for the moment. It's, it's high, buzz, all of this stuff. God is the real thing. Better than Coke. Coca-Cola. Yeah, the real thing. Questions, comments, concerns? Go ahead. I was listening to Pastor Chuck uh, last week, I believe it was. <laughs> And he was talking about the same basic subject about just how awesome the word God is. He said that sometimes he would he would listen to his own tapes of himself preaching. Uh-huh. He said, Wow, did I really say that? It's almost like he was getting taught again. He couldn't remember yeah. it was saying it was the Holy Spirit absolutely was speaking through him. Absolutely. And yet when he went back to reveal it saying You' see. Wow, that's that's great. You know? <laughs> that's why I find it difficult for people who are cessationists. They believe that the the gifts of the spirit or the sign gifts are gone. I don't I don't get it. Then why would we even teach word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy? All of those those gifts are going out as somebody's teaching the word, and that word of knowledge, knowing something that the individual wouldn't know. But that's when you get that word, and you're like, Oh Lord, that's what I needed right? So all of those things are in place. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can sit under your word. We can grow in the grace and knowledge of your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can uh, just have teachers that can break the word in a, a down in a way that we can understand it. But ultimately, Lord, it comes down to obeying. It comes down to not just uh, getting fat heads and learning more stuff just to have more stuff in our tool belt, but truly, Lord, this is a personal relationship that you call each one of us to, and so I pray that we wouldn't revert to being babies in Christ, but that we would grow up and mature, and the way we do that, Lord, is through obedience and then teaching others, Lord, what an awesome opportunity. You want us all to be able to disciple somebody, to pour truth into somebody, and so I pray that we would pray about somebody who we can do that with, Lord. Lord. And we could be faithful with what you've called us to. So thank you for your word. Continue to be with us, Lord, as we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.